group, and I cannot recommend core group enough. Uh, it was one of the best decisions I ever made in college because core is like a smaller group of all guys or all girls uh, who are going to dive deeper into that life-on-life friendship, which, come on, we all need in college. Uh, so that life-on-life true friendship, like some of my best friends are from my core my first year. And also just dive in even deeper into what it looks like to follow Jesus. So uh, find a facilitator, find a core leader, uh, tell them that you'd be interested. I can't, seriously cannot recommend enough joining a core group. Okay, so that's a little bit about who Kai Alpha is. I'd love to share who I am, because you probably have no idea who I am, which makes sense. Uh, my name is Brandon, and I'm a graduate of Central. Go Wildcats! It was a long time ago, okay? It was like six years ago. I, I always feel honored when freshmen are like, are you a freshman? No, like... Come on, like, look at me, like, (laughs) you're just saying that, like, you know I'm not a freshman, come on. No, I graduated in 2017, I got my film and video studies major, shout out to any film majors. (laughs) Sounds about right with what my degree was, but we're not going to go into that. (laughs) One other film major in the room, oh my gosh. Uh, I've got a photo of my family, oh yeah. I've got a photo of my family. Uh, this is my wife, Meredith. She is awesome. Meredith, are you here? She is with my baby. Okay, because that's my baby. Uh, this is my baby girl. Uh, her name is Emma. I love her so much. Uh, she is 11 weeks old today. She was born on July 4th of all days. And uh, being a girl dad is it, like, genuinely. I love being a girl dad. Uh, and then this is Bo. He's crazy. He's my Australian shepherd. Uh, if you want to be friends with me right away, ask to walk my dog, please. He has so much energy. Please. No, I'm serious. You come find me. I want you to walk my dog all the time. I love my dog. He's a lot, though. So this is my family. I love them. Uh, they are wonderful. Uh, also, a cool thing is I get to work with my wife, which is awesome. Uh, so we've been married for over five years, and we also get to work together. So we're uh, the co-directors of Chi Alpha here, and so we get to serve our staff, if you saw us in the photo. And uh, it is pretty awesome working with your wife, got to say. Another thing about me that you should know is I'm a huge nerd. Like, about everything. I don't know if anybody's like me, but when I get, like, a hobby that I enjoy, I go, like, all in. I ain't messing around. I go all out. So I love the Seahawks. Any Seahawks fans? I'm a huge football fan. I go way too hard at fantasy football. I get crushed every time I lose. Hey, I'm 2-0 in our Kyle League. Just saying. Sorry, Jonathan. I beat you again this I beat you this week. Uh, just had to say that. Yep, yep. Uh, other thing, I'm like, okay, okay, I said it. I'm a nerd. Don't judge me. I love Magic the Gathering. It's this co- yeah. Okay, I love Magic the Gathering. I'm like card game nerd, I love board games. But then I like to golf. I'm weird, bro. I'm like, I'm super weird. Uh, so that's a little bit about me. I'd love to share about our team. Uh, so like I said earlier, we're all about genuine friendships here in our community. And honestly, guys, it starts here with our staff team. Uh, because Taylor and Cassidy right here were literally the first friends I met on campus. True story. Uh, first friends that I met on campus, they welcomed me into Chi Alpha. Taylor was my small group leader. He was the best man in my wedding. Uh, let's see, uh, Tony and Melissa were like my adopted parents in college. I'm not kidding. I ran out of Cirque money with like two weeks left, had no money on my card. And I was like, Tony, Melissa, will you, will you please feed me? I, I like literally I had food at their house all the time. I was like their adopted son, uh, Tim Gui. He's our worship leader. Tim and I got to lead a small group leader or we got to lead small group. Where are you, Tim? There you are. Yeah, we got to lead small group together for a couple years. We've been friends ever since. And Chris is our new staff. Where's Chris? Hey, I'm still working on Chris. Chris is still trying to decide if he wants to be my friend, but <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just kidding, buddy. I love you. Anyway, so uh, like Melissa said, you're going to hear from all of our staff, uh, from most of our staff this quarter because we like to share our teaching load. 
Um, and so you're going to hear from plenty of them, okay? Feel like you know me? Feel like you know us a little bit? Hopefully? Awesome. Well, hey, we're going to jump into our teaching, because like I said, on Tuesday nights, we love to study the Bible. And so this quarter, uh, we're going to be going through the book of Matthew. Uh, Bible pastors, if you could come up, that would be awesome, and I'm just going to pray for our evening. Jesus, I pray that uh, you would just move tonight through the word, God, that we would see you in the scripture, that um, you would just show up tonight, your presence would just fill the room, and God, we're just here to experience you, and so, um, yeah, as we're nervous for classes tomorrow, we're wanting to meet friends, God, I pray that you'd just really show up and and be with us tonight. Uh, We just want to hear from your word. We're all about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, uh, I would just encourage you to raise a hand, uh, or if you have like a Bible app or something like that, that's great. You're going to want to have a Bible with you tonight. And uh, if you don't have a Bible with you in college, please keep this. Like, this is a gift to you. We want you to have a Bible. Hopefully you have enough Bibles. Should have enough, hopefully. <clears throat> yeah, so just, just like I said... Uh, If you don't have a Bible, please keep this. It's our gift to you. Uh, Because we really love the Bible in our, sorry, buddy, you might have to go on a phone or something like that. (laughs) Sorry, front row, you know, I thought you'd get an extra one, but sorry, man. Anyways, uh, one of the things that, that we really care about as a staff is we really care about reading the Word of God and reading the Word how it was intended for us to read. What do I mean? Well, we have a quote that we love to say. You'll hear it a lot of times if you keep coming back. Uh, The Bible cannot mean to us what it never meant to them. The Bible cannot mean to us what it never meant to them. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible was written not to you. The Bible was written to many different cultures, uh, many different people. There's many books combined in the Bible, and it was many years ago that the Bible was written. So it's so important that we come to the Bible and we understand who is this written to and what is our biblical author? What is the author of this book saying? Because it's so easy to read the Bible in our modern day context, insert our own culture, even our own biases into the text, but that's not how the Bible was intended to be read. You with me? So it's so important as we're talking about the book of Matthew, we have to understand where does Matthew's book land in in the Bible? Why was it written? What is going on in Matthew? You with me? Uh, So maybe you've heard of the Old Testament and you've uh, heard the New Testament before. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. And Matthew's the first of four gospel accounts that we get in the New Testament. If you've never heard the word gospel, it's basically a biography about Jesus written by his closest friends and eyewitnesses of his ministry. So just as like a summary... You know, like, when, when you go to the library and you, like, buy a book and you're getting super excited to read a book and you're like, the story's awesome, I can't wait to, like, read this book, you, uh, you're not going to likely turn this far into the book and start reading, right? <laughs> you're not going to turn to, like, chapter 30 and be like, sweet, let's, like, pick up, I know what's going on in this story. No, in the similar with the Bible, we, we need to know what's going on in all of this leading up to the book of Matthew, okay? So I'm going to do my best to summarize what has been going on in the Old Testament leading up to the New Testament. No pressure. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, hey, why don't you turn with me? No pressure. Why don't you turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, first book of the Bible, first chapter. Genesis chapter 1, and we are going to read verses 26 through 28. 
Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28. This is what the scripture says. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Okay, no pressure. Yeah, I'm feeling that. Uh, Why did I choose Genesis 1 to start? Why did I choose Genesis 1? It's because Genesis 1, 26 through 28, shows God's intended purpose for humans. If we read and we see what Genesis is communicating, we see that we as humans are created to rule and reign on this planet in God's image. It's like, what an awesome identity statement that humans are given. We're created in the very image of God and we're told, go rule this planet. God has made a planet for us to rule over. So we see some like main characters, right, in the beginning of our story. We've got God and now we've got humans. I think as we're reading the Bible, a fair question is, how are humans going to do at reigning and ruling in God's image? Let's check and see. Uh, Genesis 3, 1 through 9. Let's keep reading. Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 9. How are humans going to do? Verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat uh, fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. Excuse me. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then both, then eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. Uh-oh. So they sewed fig trees together and made coverings for themselves. Verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? Okay, so we've got God, we've got humans, and now we've got a new character that arrives in our story. And it's the serpent, otherwise known as Satan. I think a fair question is, how do humans respond to God's commissioning to rule and reign in his image? Well, the author of Genesis tells us, instead of trusting and obeying God, humans choose to follow evil and follow the serpent. And I think when we read the story, it's easy to be like, oh, this was just a fruit, man. Like, it looked good. Like, it's not really a big of a deal, but we miss what Genesis is trying to communicate. Because what Genesis is communicating is that Adam and Eve grabbing the fruit were really saying, we're going to be our own gods. Verse 5, the serpent says, God knows that you'll be like him if you take from it. So, what Genesis is trying to say is that Adam and Eve did not decide to trust God. They literally wanted to be their own gods. And because of this decision, we see in Genesis that humans are now in conflict with God, conflict with one another, and conflict with the very planet that they were called to rule. From Genesis to Revelation, from the first book of the Bible to the last book of the Bible, a huge theme in the Bible is, are humans going to trust God or are humans going to trust the serpent? 
I think an even more crucial question that I ask when I read the beginning of the Bible is, how is God going to respond to the serpent and evil? How is God going to respond? And we get an answer in Genesis 3, verse 15. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, a couple verses later, God's speaking to the serpent, and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Okay, a little confusing, but God, in this verse, is promising to send someone, a son of Eve, who is going to crush the serpent's head and destroy evil at its source. You guys with me? So a big question, I think, is when is this going to happen? As we're reading the beginning of the story, when's this going to happen? Who's this person going to be? How do we know who's going to come? What, what in the world? What's going on? Well, enter Abraham and his family. Genesis chapter 12. I promise we'll get out of Genesis soon. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. Abraham shows up in our, our story. And this is what God says to Abraham. He says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Okay, so let's remember our story. So if God created humans, humans chose evil. God says he's going to raise up somebody to completely defeat evil and Satan. And then God promises Abraham here, he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. They would become, Abraham's lineage would become the people of Israel. And he says that through your lineage, through your line, through your people, this Savior will come. And it's pretty cool for us, too, because he says that out of you, you will bless all nations. It's awesome for us, right? Another a question I have is, okay, great. How's Israel going to do it trusting God? When's this going to happen? It, when is this going to happen? What's going on? Uh, flash forward to uh, 2, Samuel chapter 10, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, sorry, and King David enters the scene in the Old Testament. 2 Samuel chapter 7, I love the table of contents, that's always super helpful. Uh, you may know King David from the David and Goliath story. In, uh, in the beginning of David's life, there's actually a lot of optimism that he could be the one that God promised. He's credited by God to be a man after God's own heart. He's from the line of Abraham. And he's very bold in his proclamation of God's reign and God's rule. He's fluent in the scripture, and he even becomes the king of Israel. There's a lot of optimism, like this guy might, might be the one. But unfortunately, as we read David's life, we'll continue to see the same human pattern of obeying the serpent, obeying evil. And if you study David's life, you're going to see how he does that through adultery and then even murder. Once again, we have humans obeying evil instead of God. Yet God would promise David that the deliverer would come, the Savior would come through his line. So 2 Samuel chapter 7, 12 through 16, this is what God says to, uh, to King David. He says, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul whom I removed before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. 
Okay, I told you I'm a little bit of a nerd, okay? So we're, we're just nerding out in Old Testament here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to land the plane soon. I just need to recap. So we've got God creates humans. Humans disobey God. We've got conflict that happens with God, humans, and the planet. And then God says, I'm going to raise up someone who's going to come and crush the serpent's head. I'm going to raise up somebody who's going to completely defeat evil. And in the process, they will, like, nip his heel, in a sense. Kind of a crazy image. Then God promises Abraham that he will come through your line. Then we have David show up. And again, God promises and say, he will come through your lineage. Okay? Last thing in the Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7. There is a prophetic word from Isaiah the prophet. And he says this in chapter 7, 13 through 14. Isaiah says, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel. God has promised a savior to come and defeat evil completely. It starts with Abraham, it continues with David, and then we see that he will come from a virgin birth. Enter Matthew. We made it. Okay, enter Matthew 1. You can turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew was a Jewish tax collector who was actually hated by his people because he was working for Rome. But Jesus called Matthew to follow him and learn from him. And Matthew is writing this audience to his Jewish friends. He's writing to an audience that was Jewish and fluent in the Old Testament scripture. Okay, what do I mean by that? They were very familiar with Genesis 1, Genesis 3, Genesis 12, 2 Samuel, and Isaiah 7, okay? So let's read Matthew chapter 1 together. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Go down to 6, verse 6. And Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. We'll skip to 16. And Jacob is the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Do you guys understand why maybe it's a little uh, helpful to understand the Old Testament before the New Testament? Because if I, if I just open up Matthew, I'm like, this is the most boring thing ever. So many names. I can't pronounce like any of them. But if you think about what Matthew is saying here, it hits hard, doesn't it? What is Matthew saying to his Jewish audience? He's going, the one that was promised from Genesis 3, from Genesis 12, from 2 Samuel, from Isaiah 7 has come. I can only imagine what they were feeling and thinking when they read his letter for the first time. Okay, we got to look more into this. So then he goes on. I, I love this. I love how Matthew articulates this. He keeps going. He says in verse 18, he goes, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. What is Matthew saying to his audience? He's going, if the genealogy isn't enough, how about this story? How about this story that Jesus is a fulfillment not only of Genesis and not only 2 Samuel, he is now a fulfillment of Isaiah 2. I think it's awesome what Matthew is saying to his audience, right? Worship team, you guys can come on up as we kind of wrap things up tonight. Um, I just want to ask a couple questions as we're, uh, as we're thinking about the book of Matthew this quarter and, and what it means for us. Um, and I just have a couple questions for us to think about. I think the first one is just, do we, do we trust the scripture? Um, no matter where you are in your faith journey, I think, you know, the Bible, is, man, has some big claims about who God is and who Jesus is. It's so important for us to think, man, like, do I trust this? Do I trust the scripture? Do I understand uh, and do I believe? Do I, do I trust the historical reliance and accuracy of the Bible? And if we wrestle with that question, I think a very fair question right after it is, if Matthew is true and the Old Testament is true, what does that mean for us right now? What does that mean for us right now? I think I really want to wrestle with those two questions uh, as we kind of transition into worship tonight. So will you guys just pray with me? Jesus, thank you that um, the Old Testament has pointed to you. Thank you, God, that... Um, yeah, I, I just love how Matthew writes uh, to his audience. And, and God, as we are just kind of eavesdropping in on what he's saying, Lord, I, I pray that this quarter you would really just show up and, God, that you would move uh, through your word. And, Lord, I just pray that as we uh, just transition to a time of worship tonight, Lord, that you just meet us where we are. And, um, yeah, thank you, God, for your word. Uh, we just love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, as we transition into worship, um, I think it's just important to know, like, what, what this space is about. Um, and so, yeah, one of our worship values is viewing this space as, as sacred, um, where it's like set apart. Um, it's a space where we get to enter into the presence of God. Uh, it's a space where we get to sit at Jesus' feet and a space where we get to listen to the Holy Spirit. Um, and if you don't know these songs that we're going to sing, that's totally okay. Um, you can just try to follow along. You can just like listen, um, listen to the lyrics. Um, but just know that this space is supposed to be used to connect with God, however you see fit. Um, so if you are able, would you stand and would you join us in singing praise to God? <laughs> 